The scripture reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 to 14. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herd, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and in all that you undertake. And he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself as he has sworn to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. And all the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity in the fruit of your womb and in the fruit of your livestock and in the fruit of your ground within the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give to you. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give the rain your land need, to the to give the rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you shall only go up and not down, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, being careful to do them. And if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I command you today, to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. Thank you, Lee Sue, for reading God's word for us today. If you're visiting with us uh, this morning, I need to assure you that I don't usually look like a homeless person. I have uh, committed in this month that we focus on the Great Commission to challenge GBC to give to missions, to give a half a million dollars, and then I will shave. We have a new missions thermometer downstairs, which looks a bit like a wanted poster, <laughs> just so you can go buy it every once in a while and see how close we are to Sherry feeling good about walking around with her husband in public. I hate to say this, but we do have some capricious young adults in the church who have threatened to give in order to keep the Scottish braids. Not sure if that will motivate you or not. Or maybe you'll just start thinking about church discipline. 
We are in Deuteronomy chapter 28. It is a long chapter. I invited Lee Sue to read the happy part. There's a happy part, and then there's an opposite of happy part. That's three times as long as the happy part. You know, I uh, probably, if you know me, you know I like to make jokes about me uh, managing the big things in life. Sherry and I have an, a rather unusual marriage. We are complementarian in that Sherry tells me that I um, am called of God to be the spiritual leader of the family, but we are also egalitarian in terms of exercising our spiritual gifts, and my spiritual gifts are all in the order of managing the big things in life. Sherry manages little things like moving to Singapore or finding us a flat to live in, little things like raising children and paying our bills and keeping me from personal ruin, all those little things Sherry's in charge of. I'm in charge of the big things like world peace and global warming and whether or not there's life on Mars. Those are the important big things that I manage, that I'm in charge of. And, and I think it's clear that all of us believe that we are managing the big things in our lives, but we don't always recognize that what we define as a big thing is influenced by our perspective in life. For example, on Wednesday, Anwar Ibrahim was released from prison and given a full royal pardon. He has already been offered fellowships by universities all over the world. He's been offered influence in the new government. He's even been offered a role in the new government. But on his first day of release, the press gathered around him and said, Datuk, what is the most important thing you're going to tackle right now? And Anwar Ibrahim revealed his big thing after 18 years in the prison system of Malaysia, after 20 years of being victimized by a corrupt justice system, he said, this is my big thing. I want to buy my grandchildren ice cream. You see, because when you've been separated from family for 20 years, family is a big thing. Our, our, our big things are influenced by the perspective that's picked up on this road of life. Moses had a big thing. It wasn't complicated. And assuming that what is big to God is going to matter to us, I want us to look again at Deuteronomy chapter 28 and imagine what is this one big thing that matters to God. Because in this 40-year-long sermon that we call the book of Deuteronomy, Moses, Pastor Moses, preaches the critical importance to the people of God to get the big thing right and also the consequences of succeeding at things that really don't matter. The main thing, I think, as you know, or excuse me, the main theme of this 
entire book is that God chooses to reveal himself through a people that he chooses. I don't know why he chose to do that. I think I would have done it a different way. But God has chosen to reveal himself through a people he has chosen. He calls us for our good. He establishes a moral code for our good. He invites us to satisfy our calling to his glory for our good. And so I'm going to separate this into big points as simply as possible. Green light and not red light, but amber light. I mean, most of us know what a green light means, right? Green light means step on the accelerator and go. I live for green lights. And, and, and the thing is, if you forget to step on the accelerator and go, there's lots of helpful people right behind you willing to remind you, the light is green. Step on the accelerator and go. Just move ahead. The problem is, okay, this is just an observation. This is not really inspired of God. My observation in Singapore is we have some distracted drivers. The light turns green and they have a smartphone on their lap because they have to check at that very moment how many likes their latest post has. Right? They, they need to check their status. So every once in a while, the light turns green and people don't step on the accelerator and go because they're distracted. Distracted people don't go even when the light is green. And we, GBC, we can be distracted. When the big thing, the light, is green, but we've cluttered our lives so with other things, the whispering God needs to shout. The God of the small, still voice has to weep. We don't just have distracted drivers. We, we also have anxious drivers. Right, Sherry? Anxious drivers have seen the YouTube videos, the person who jumps too fast into the intersection, and somebody driving a Maserati coming the other way. It's dangerous out there. When anxious drivers are on the roads, the light turns green, and they're like, oh, wait, safety first. Let's check and make sure nobody, especially me or anyone I loved, is harmed by my immediate obeying of the green light. We have anxious drivers. And you know what? We have a third kind of driver. We have, um, okay, I'm just going to call them pompous drivers. The light turns green. They don't go because, hey, I made this road. This is my road. I'm the most important person in this universe, and you all can just wait for me. I don't choose to go. I choose to stay where I'm at because I have worked to get where I'm at. I paid my taxes. I provided for this road. I'm sitting here until I'm ready to go. These are the kind of drivers that God speaks to in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And here's the first thing. 
This is the one big thing. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. The subtitle of the green light could be faithfully obey, carefully do. If you do this, you will be blessed. You will be blessed whether you're coming or going. You see, because some of you are anxious right now. You're anxious drivers. You're thinking, I want to do this. I, I sense God leading me to take this new job, but I don't know if it's His will. That's not the big thing. That job is not the big thing. This is the big thing. Faithfully obey. Be careful to do all that God has commanded you. Then it doesn't matter what job you're in. I dare you to try and outrun God's blessing when you do this one big thing. Stop being anxious about the address you purchase, the school you go to, the school studies you choose. Choose with confidence and observe the way God just pursues you. You'll be blessed in the city, in the country, your womb, the work of the earth. You'll be blessed your food will be blessed, even the preparation of the food. No, not just the basket, but the kneading bowl. You will be blessed there. Blessed coming or going. God and His blessing is tenacious. He will overtake you. All of these blessings will come upon you. All of these will overtake you if... You obey the voice of the Lord your God that they already knew. They already had the big thing. And still they were complaining. We, we would rather go back to Egypt. Remember the leaks we had in Egypt? Here we have the same thing. Manna today, manna tomorrow, manna every day. So boring. We're a people of many flavors. We have to have this dry, tasteless manna. It's like British food. Oh, sorry if you're from the UK. <laughs> no, UK is awesome, but the food is not. They just complained, even in the middle of this, this green light that God said, just, just take it, go. Go into the land to possess it, because the blessings of your Lord are going to pursue you and overtake you. You'll be overwhelmed with blessing. Because I've already told you, this is your, your calling to represent the glory of this God who is different, different, different among the nations. Live among them. Different, different, different. That's, that's the green light. Uh, this is a, a giant in Southern Baptist missions life. Charlotte Diggs Moon chose with confidence. She was born to white educated privilege in the state of Virginia. And yet she believed God had called her to be different, different, different in China. That this woman that we call a giant of Southern Baptist missions stood exactly 129 centimeters tall. That's four foot three, just less than four foot three. In 1867... 
or sorry, 1876, a great famine came to northeast China. I'm not sure how many of you know, because you're, many of you right here today are immigrants of those who survived a great famine in northeast China. Over 10 million Chinese people died of starvation during this famine. And this missionary became known for giving away food. People would line up, just wait until she got up in the morning. Because she was the only place in that province of Shandong that they knew reliable rice would be there. She continued to give and she began to write this massive mailing um, campaign to Baptists living in America saying, come, you must, the Chinese are dying, we must give more. And, and she gave so much that missionary colleagues began to be alarmed at her declining health. So one of the missionary doctors came and, and when he saw her, he, he was shocked at her condition. He, he put her on a scale. She weighed less than 50 pounds. 22 and a half kilos this missionary weighed. In 1912, Lottie Moon died of starvation. And we're like, are you talking about blessing right now, Pastor? Because that really doesn't sound like it. You know, why is the pastor trying to push blessing on us that, that doesn't really feel like blessing? And maybe a more important question is, why do I define blessing by the metric of the world? Why do I allow the world to measure what is blessing and what is not blessing? We're going to get back to that. For the distracted drivers who don't go when it's green. For the anxious drivers who don't go when the light is green. Now, we, we know that amber means we have a choice, right? For some of us, it means go faster. For others, it means go slower. Be cautious. This is a dangerous point. The light is going to change when red comes, and if you're going then, or going the wrong way then, then you are in Big trouble. You see, this is where those guys who own the road are in big trouble. Because they're delusional. They're like, I purchased this road. This is my road. I pay for it by my taxes. Ten years of road taxes I paid to get in this car. Here's the truth. God made you. And the sovereign God is the road. When we say, no, I'm going to pull myself off this road, then we actually remove ourselves from beneath the pleasure of the God who is life. When you remove yourselves from the God who is life, you have chosen consequences of living outside of life. 
there is no way we could get through all of these verses. The summary is in verse 15. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God to be careful to do all His commandments and statutes that I command you today, then all these curses, not blessing, but curses. How many of you think that you're living in between something? You say, well, you're not really obeying, but you know, it's not curse. There are two options for the people of God. We live with His pleasure and blessing, or we live with His curse. These curses will come upon you and overtake you. No way to list them all. So, just a summary. In the city, in the field, you'll be cursed. At your basket kneading bowl, you'll be cursed. Fruit of your womb will be cursed. The fruit of the ground will be cursed. Your cattle and sheep cursed. Whether you're coming or going, you'll be cursed. You'll have drought and mildew, suffer defeat and ridicule. You'll become bird food. Boils and tumors, scabs and itch. Do we understand when we make ourselves the road builder, we become our own idols? This living God knocks down idols. Don't become the idol of meritocracy. This is the living God who desires to bless and pursue. When I get to the place where I say, wow, you know, so awesome, then this is like a song of Moses that could be called Moses, you know, no good, very bad life song. Nothing but curses for 53 verses. And more than that, here is the chorus. And every sickness also and every affliction that is not recorded in the book of this law, the Lord will bring upon you until you're destroyed. In other words, my pastor Moses, he doesn't know all the stuff. There's stuff coming that the world doesn't yet know. That stuff too, that'll be on you. When you remove yourself from beneath the pleasure of the God who is life. You know, theologians have worked hard segregating and defining what is the will of God. They will say, there is God's sovereign will. That is His eternal, preordained plan and purpose which will not change and cannot ever be thwarted. Cyrus can't thwart his plan. Pharaoh couldn't thwart his plan. Mao Zedong can't thwart his, thwart his plan. Not even this pastor. It is God's sovereign will. But then there is God's preceptive, not perceptive, but preceptive will. The plans we can know through his word. That's why the day that a man in my church in Canada came to me and said with great deal of confidence, Pastor, it's God's will that I have an affair with my cousin. 
I could say with confidence, no, it's not. Because we have the precepts that God has laid out in His Word. That's preceptive will. Then we have what theologians call God's preferential will. Now, we're a bit uncomfortable with with the first two, but we're getting more comfortable with the preferential will because the preferential will speaks to the will of God that is based upon God's preferences, and we believe God prefers me. That's why we sing that song, like a rose trampled on the ground. You know, you took the fall, thought of me above all, right? We love that song because we love his preferential will. And we remember God prefers love. He prefers grace and mercy. And so we live dangerously in the intersection of life. Preferential will. Good thing God likes me. That's a dangerous place to be. The fourth kind of will that is described by theologians is sometimes called God's permissive will. These are things that happen, not his plans. He allows them, but they are not sanctioned by him. We get his permissive will from Joseph's story. Now, now because some of us like God's permissive will, especially when I was a youth pastor, I would have lots of youth say, well, I'm not living with my parents' sovereign will because their rules are just unreasonable. I'm living in their permissive will. They love me so much, they enable me to do what I want to. This permissive will, we like it because we think that God's permissive will is on Joseph's brothers. After all, he did allow them to kidnap their own brother and sell him into slavery. No, it's not about Joseph's brothers. It's about Joseph. God allows things to happen because what you meant for evil, he is going to do for good because he's better than us. He's greater than evil. What men mean for evil, God allows. He permits because he's going to use that as a crushing platform for his glory. There's a fifth one that I almost hesitate to Mention. I hesitate to mention because it so seldom occurs. God's directive will means men or women are in the process of doing something and going somewhere and God intercepts them and points in another direction. That's why I remind us Moses was not out in the wilderness you know, looking for a vision, looking for a burning bush, looking for an assignment. He already had an assignment watching his father-in-law's sheep. But God intercepted him in that assignment and pointed toward Pharaoh's palace and said, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. This is God's directive will. Gideon was not hoping to save Israel from the Midianites. He was hoping to save some wheat from the Midianites. And God intercepted that activity and pointed to a river. Go gather people. You are going to set my people free. 
And, and Paul was just completely content where he was, but then God intercepted his ministry where he was with a vision. Come over to Macedonia and help us. That's God's directive will. Don't be waiting around for it to happen. It doesn't happen that often. We are the most biblically literate generation the planet has ever seen. And we do less of what we know than any generation that has preceded us. We know so much. We don't do so much. Be careful to obey and do. This is the calling of the missionary people. Here is the summary of the amber light. All these curses shall come upon you and pursue you, overtake you till you are destroyed because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep His commandments, His statutes that He commanded. You knew them. You didn't obey them. And so they shall ever be a sign and wonder against you. You'll become famous for all the wrong reasons. I'm going to say this. Stop blaming Palestine for Israel's trouble. It is God. If you refuse to obey the Lord your God, Israel, America, and yes, Singapore, and yes, GBC, you will be a sign and a wonder for all the wrong reasons. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart. Why? Because of the abundance of all things. You see, God was gifting Moses, his shepherd of his people, with an ability to project to a time when Israel has moved into a promised land that God has provided, has become rich, full of stuff, and forgetful of God. In that day, these curses will overtake you because in a day of abundance, GBC, we forgot God. When we moved into the promised land of our new building, we celebrated God, good, God's goodness in our efforts. When we are there, we are at risk. Not of His curse, but of our amnesia that leads to his curse. Why is it that God desires his people to be so absolutely dependent on him? Do you realize that every single thing he asks us to do in the missionary task, home or abroad, Every single thing cannot be done without this sovereign, glorious God of life. You can, none of us, go to a seminary and with your skill and your beautiful speech cause the dead to rise up from the grave. If we want to see the spiritually dead come alive, we need raise the dead power. We don't have that in our discipleship. We only have that in the living God. You can't convince somebody to become a Christian. Stop trying. If people are avoiding you at work, you're trying to raise them from the dead without the power of God. 
It is his choice that through imperfect lives like ours, his glory will be seen. That our joy in him will be so obvious it will come leaking out of us. Some of you already know that this is a photograph of Hudson Taylor and the missionaries who were with him in the China Inland Mission. He was an unusual European missionary because he insisted that European missionaries not dress like Europeans. He insisted that everyone with him dressed to look Chinese. Obviously, they couldn't change the shape of their eyes or the length of their nose or apparently the fullness of the beard. But in every way possible, they tried to be Christ incarnate in China. In fact, this man, who is the father of the faith missions movement, was so dependent on God, he refused to allow any missionary to raise their support before they went. Trust in the Lord. This is how Hudson Taylor assesses his own giftedness. I myself am not especially gifted. I am shy by nature, but my gracious and merciful God and Father inclined himself to me, and when I was weak in faith, he strengthened me while I was still young. He taught me in my helplessness to rest on him and to pray even about the little things in which another might have felt quite able to help himself. This is how much we need the God who is our road of life. Even for the little things, he longs to feed and equip and strengthen us for a task that we desire to measure but cannot measure anything outside of his Productivity. It is not missionary productivity, not the number of baptizing missionaries that we have. It is how great is our God to do those things that we cannot do. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. You know why Jeremiah wept? It's not because a foreign nation had invaded. It was because the prophet Jeremiah knew that it was the God of Israel who led the invasion, and so he wept. But in the middle of his funeral dirge that we call lamentations, he suddenly was filled with hope And he wrote these words that we have sung. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. This is the hope of the gospel. Christ came not because he saw that we were faithful. Christ came because he was faithful. He emptied himself. He was obedient even to the point of the cross. Now, we know this part, right? But we don't know why Jeremiah suddenly sang this until we read verse 24. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope 
in Him. Not in my performance, not in my current situation, not even whether or not right now at this moment I feel or do not feel blessed. My hope is in Him. Uh, this is a missionary I believe ought to be better known. In 1895, Amy Carmichael, inspired by the stories of Hudson Taylor, felt called to go and join the China Inland Mission. On the boat in the Sea of Japan, she became so ill she couldn't land. And so instead of China, Amy Carmichael went to India and served one term as a missionary. Her one term without furlough was 55 years long. Amy Carmichael landed in India in 1895 and never went home. Like Hudson Taylor, she wasn't a normal European missionary. She decided to be a missionary wrapped up in European flesh, but full of Jesus. She didn't arrive in the strength of the British Empire. She didn't arrive with this desire to teach Indians English. She ate Indian food. She spoke Tamil. And she began to raid temples and take out all the little children who served as temple prostitutes. And she started her own orphanage teaching little orphan prostitutes that there was a living God who saw them and loved them. For 55 years, this was her life. A young lady in Scotland heard about her missionary work and wrote her and said to her, Tell me what it's like to serve as a missionary. And Amy Carmichael wrote her back with these words. Missionary life is simply a chance to go and to die in Christ. Amy. Uh, she felt like serving in the slums of southern India was exactly what God made her for. She felt like God's blessing pursued her and overtook her. And then she fell and damaged her back so badly that for the next 20 years, she couldn't get out of bed. She couldn't pick up a little orphan and love her she couldn't stand and teach God's word. Where is the blessing there? For 20 years, all she could do was write. And here's what she wrote on her bed on year 15. God, hold us to that which drew us first. When the cross was the attraction and we wanted nothing else. Do you remember that day when you weren't worried about what ministry project you wanted to accomplish next? 
that you weren't disappointed by some Christian who had bothered you or said something insensitive, when you weren't bothered by the direction of the church, do you remember the day when the cross was enough? God, hold us to what drew us first. Are you willing to die for Jesus? 87 young people said, just like Pastor and Shermu, we will die for Jesus. We will take the gospel. He will not. We will pursue this green light and invite the pleasure of the Almighty to overtake us. So, are we sometimes focused on blessings that don't matter? Is, is our vision too narrow, too, too short? What, you're, you're looking forward to retirement? Can, can you imagine the welcome when Pastor and Mrs. Chin walked into glory? Paul stood up and blessed the Lord for faithfulness. The great crowd of witnesses cheering on. The blessings of God Pursuing this couple beyond the grave. I, I don't want, if, if there's a choice between blessings for eternity and blessings in retirement, it's an obvious one for me. This, this is the missionary calling. Not for unique individuals who will go overseas, but for every person God has chosen to bear witness of His glory wherever we live. Aim long. Pursue His glory that His pleasure and blessing may overtake us. Let's pray together. Father God, we're so grateful for the testimony of those who have gone before us. We thank You for the faithfulness of Hudson Taylor that modeled absolute dependence on You. We bless you for little single women like Lottie Moon who lived life large, who gave the nations everything. We thank you for Amy Carmichael who even though paralyzed yet could praise you. And Father, we thank you for the pioneers of this church who established a gathering to live on purpose for the glory of God. Father, may we do as well in every office, in every school, in every decision. May we obey completely and follow carefully so that your glory may be known and that things may be good for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.